Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. It is our joy to have you with us again today. We're going to be going back to September 29th, 2012, and visit our music ministry workshop here at Times Square Church. Awesome time we had all day that day. We had some wonderful guests, and for the next few weeks, we're going to be airing some of the sessions from that workshop. We were blessed to have one of our associate pastors, Pastor William Carroll, share with us in the morning session. And if you've ever heard him, you know he's no slouch when it comes to declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, We do want you to sit back and enjoy, as for the next few weeks, we're going to be airing sessions from that workshop. In addition to Pastor William Carroll, other facilitators for our workshop were Pastor Lee Gonzalez and Pastor Sam Centron from the Hope Arts Center in New Jersey, Jersey City, New Jersey, that is. We were also blessed to have with us Dave Edwards. Dave Edwards is the worship director at Trinity Church in Greenwich, Connecticut. Now, you may remember Dave Edwards. He was one of our guests on the podcast a few months ago. A multi-talented musician, singer, writer. Uh, we were glad to have him with us as well. And then we were blessed to also have the Craig Crawford players. And you, of course, have heard them before. They've been around. They just celebrated 25 years of playing together. So you're going to be hearing from them over the next few weeks as well. But right now, let's go to the opening session where our Pastor William Carroll got us on the right foot, set the stage for the day and addressed the worshipers with this word from the Lord. Oh, praise God. I hope you guys are more awake than I am. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I do believe that um, I have a word from God. I've been um, talking with him and praying about this message for um, the um, last certain amount of time. And I am convinced that God has something for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Luke, the 17th chapter? Luke chapter 17 and verse 7. We'll read Luke 17 verse 7 down to verse 10. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for the wonderful privilege of serving you. We recognize that there is no higher calling, no greater privilege, no more serious a responsibility. And therefore, we recognize that we are not expected to do anything in our own strength. We ask that your name be glorified this morning and throughout the course of the day. We expect that you are going to be who you are. And we expect that because of that, we're going to be made better and better. Grace upon grace, according to your own goodness. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Luke 17, verse 7. And we're just going to read down to verse 10. I'm reading from the um, New Living Translation. It says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? 
No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. I want to talk to you this morning on the topic, the worth of an unworthy worshiper. The worth of an unworthy worshiper. When we consider what's going on here, it's a picture of a person who's working throughout the course of the day. And that person is working as hard as they can. They are busy with the responsibilities that they have. And they go from that place of working in the field all day to coming into the house. And the first inclination is going to be, now it's time for me to receive what I need. And so likewise, we look at ourselves. Every one of us is involved in what you might call a bivocational ministry. Bivocational ministry just means that you have, in essence, two jobs. You know, you either are working or you're going to school or you're taking care of your family or whatever it is that you do during the course of the day, and then you come to church and you're expected to give. Usually when we think about coming to church, we're expecting to receive. But for the most part, what you do and what I do is we work throughout the course of the day. And then when we go, uh, in my case, you know, when I go from the fourth floor to uh, across the hall, I'm going from one kind of work to another kind of work. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, what I do throughout the course of the day is entirely different than what I do when I go into the sanctuary. A lot of administration, um, counseling, um, the various things that might be considered um, intangibles, so on and so forth. I, I, I realize what my responsibility is throughout the course of the day. A lot of times when I go across the hall, I am tired. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm just, I'm beat, you know? And my, my first thought is to kind of, you know, just say, now it's time for me to be served. You know, now it's time for me to eat. And so likewise, with everything that you have to do throughout the course of the day, everything that you have to do on your job, everything that you have to do with your family, everything that you have to do, you would think that when you come to church, it's time to be fed, it's time to be filled, it's time to be strengthened. And yet, there is a call on your life that says, no, it's not time yet to be taken care of personally. There is still another service that is your responsibility. And when you consider what Jesus is saying here, he is saying, he's not so much saying, you know, I know you've been serving in the field, and now it's time for you to serve other people, even though that's a part of it. But what's going on here is something, I think, just a bit more essential to the nature of ministry. He's saying, I know you've been serving all day. I know you've been giving all day. I know you've been about the Lord's business on another level all day. Because when you work on your job or you take care of your family, you go to school, you do whatever it is that you're doing, you're still involved in ministry. 
There is no such thing of, uh, as a professional minister. Every person is a minister, and every minister is bivocational. Every minister has two jobs. You know what I'm saying? You minister in the regular world, and you minister in the church. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what ministry you're involved in. You are expected to minister in the church. When I come to church on Sunday, I can't say, oh, I'm not preaching this particular Sunday. Therefore, I have a day off. That never happens. You know what I'm saying? There's always somebody who has something that you can contribute to. Somebody who has a need. Somebody, sometimes just to come to church and shake somebody's hand is a ministry. It can change their entire day. It can affect their entire concept of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a part of the church body. So every single one of us is expected to do our job outside of the church community. Even if you work in church, there's a difference, like I said, between the fourth floor and the sanctuary. If you work in church, if you work outside of the church, you still got a job to do. And then after that, you have another job to do. And in both cases, you are doing ministry. In both cases, you are giving glory to God. No matter where you work, you have a responsibility to bear witness to the goodness of God. No matter what your responsibility throughout the course of the day, whether you're raising your children or whether you are in a a university or wherever you happen to be, you have a responsibility to be salt. You have a responsibility to be light. That's a big part of your responsibility, big part of your ministry. And then when you come to church, after all that, Our ordinary thought is, now it's time for me to be fed. You know what I mean? I've been working. I've been busy. I've been helping. I've been this and that. Now it's time for me to be fed. But when you read that text of Scripture, you see the Lord saying, no, that's not the case. When you come to church, that's your opportunity and your responsibility to minister to the Lord. Now, that's imperative that we grasp because this is a teaching on the priorities of ministry above everything. If my first thought when I came to ministry was to minister to other people, as important as that is, my priorities are off. If my first thought of coming to church is to be ministered to, my priorities are off. My first consideration is how do I bring a smile to the face of God? Now you think about all of the parables that the Lord gives. How many parables does the Lord give where he talks about himself being hungry? How many parables does the Lord give where he talks about himself being served? Remember he said, I came to serve, not to be served. So when he talks about being served, there's something that should perk our ears up. You remember the scripture says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need to ask you when I'm hungry. So when we hear him talking about us serving him, and we have to perk up our ears and say, what does that mean? What kind of an honor is this? What kind of a privilege is this? For the God of heaven and earth to say to us, I'm hungry, or as we might hear from the cross, I thirst. There is a time when God, the infinite God, now you know, mathematically speaking and logically speaking, it's impossible to add anything to that which is infinite. God is infinite, so there's nothing that we add to him on an ontological level. In other words, we don't add anything to his being. But that does not mean that there is not something that we bring to the table when we encounter God. 
that there is not something of us, not something from us, but something of us that actually matters to him personally. So he says to you and to me sometimes, I know that you're tired, but I want you to worship me. I know that it's difficult, but I want you to worship me. And I don't want you to get caught up in the idea of having to worship outward or minister outward. That's huge. But that's not our priority. And I don't want you to get caught up with the idea of drinking in what other people are doing and what other people are singing and what other people are preaching and so on and so forth. That's huge. But that is not our priority. Our priority is to worship God. Our priority is to prepare for him a meal that's worthy of him. Our priority is to say to God, I know I can't add anything to you on an ontological level. I don't make you more God. And there's nothing that I can give to you from myself. In other words, I can't pull anything out of my spiritual pockets and hand it to God and make him more God. But I can give of myself. I can give myself. So when I go into the place of worship, my whole idea is somehow or another, it matters to God that I'm here. It matters to God that I'm singing my song. It matters to God. Wow. What an awesome perspective on how we come to the house of God for worship after we leave our regular jobs. We're going to come back and hear some more from Pastor William Carroll from the 2012 Music Ministry Workshop here at TSC Music. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God well. is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your answer. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio, where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church. The year was 1857. After years of prosperity, New York City suffered an unexpected blow to its economy. Banks failed, homes were lost, and the unemployment rate was staggering. The city had fallen victim to its own thirst for profit. New York City was in a difficult place. But out of the Depression, there arose a cry. A little prayer meeting began in downtown Manhattan. It started as a small group, but it grew day by day. Soon there were groups all over the city. Over the course of two years... Tens of thousands attended these prayer meetings, which turned out to be nationwide. It is estimated that over 100,000 people became followers of Jesus Christ. I do believe with all my heart that what God did for those who cried out to Him at that time, He can and will do for us today. It is time to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. God is Faithful is the title of a new book from the personal writings of Pastor David Wilkerson. This volume offers 365 deeply insightful, deeply inspiring reflections that reveal the loving heart of the Father. 
Each day in this year-long devotional journey, you can experience what Brother Dave knew intimately and preached passionately, that God is faithful and He takes great delight in you. To purchase a copy in limited edition hardcover, visit tscnyc.org. One of the most powerful weapons that Satan has against you. Once he has gotten you with fear, then he will take your faith. Because fear is actually the opposite of faith. The Lord said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now fear is when we look at the size of the opposition that we have to encounter and dismay comes when we look inside and don't see enough strength to fight the battle. God's word was don't let fear or dismay get a hold of you because it's not about you. It's about Christ in us. That's the good news. Paul says to Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear not. When that simple word gets into your heart, that's where the sound mind comes from. Fear not. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Face your fears and overcome them by the power of God. Face them now. It's very hard to get right with God in a season of panic. There are going to be many things in the future that are going to cause fear. And some things are causing fear today. But for the child of God, God says to you, fear not. That's where your sound mind will come from. Fear not. I know what fear can do. I was paralyzed by it for over nine years. But I know when I came to Christ and made a choice of going all the way with Him and walking with Him, there's no fear in my heart. If you will make that choice, you'll be astounded at the power of God that is available for you. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's what comes from God. 
And it only comes from God. It only comes from God. Pastor Carter Conlon's new book, Fear Not, Living Courageously in Uncertain Times, is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and wherever Christian books are sold. The Adult and Youth Praise Choirs are just two of the many ministries that make up TSU Music. We're also looking for volunteers in other areas of music ministry. Are you a musician, an actor or singer, a video editor or an audio engineer? Perhaps you're great at learning song lyrics and quick on the computer, then Projection Ministry could be the place for you. Or maybe you enjoy meeting new people and talking with them about music. Then you'd fit right in with our sales team. If you're a music lover looking to find your place to serve, we invite you to apply online. Visit the website tscnyc.org and click on Get Involved. I don't know what God has to see throughout the course of any given day. I don't know what God has to see in our particular case, what God has to see in, in Times Square, in this entire region, in this entire vicinity, all these blocks going east and west and so on and so forth. I don't know what he has to see. When I come to worship God on a Sunday morning, I don't know what he had to see all night on Saturday. I don't know what he had to expose himself to because of his great concern for humankind. I don't know how his heart was broken all night long. I don't know how his soul was grieved all night long. I don't know the pain that he endured all night long. I only know this, that my responsibility when I come into the house of the Lord is to do everything that I can to counteract his grief, to counteract his pain, to give him a reason to smile, to give him a reason not just to smile, but to smile on this community. To give him a reason. I read the scriptures and I see time and time again God being merciful to an entire society because there happened to be a worshiper there. Because there happened to be somebody crying out to him. God saving an entire society because Abraham happened to be there. Or God saving an entire society. One time the Lord had decided to destroy five cities in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you notice, he only destroyed four. He let one survive simply because Lot was there. He wasn't even supposed to be there. But because he was there, God saved an entire community, giving them one more opportunity to turn. I don't know exactly what all it entails. I only know that I can come to church one way or another. I can come to church saying, look, Lord, you know I've been busy all week and you know what I've done and you know so on and so forth. It's time for me to eat now. Or I can say... Lord, I have an idea of what I've experienced, but I have no idea of what you've experienced. I know how busy I've been, but I have no idea of how busy you've been. Except I know a little bit about how busy God has been, because I remember when he was chasing me all around this city. You know what I mean? And man, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, he, he had to put in some hours with me. he's chasing me all over the place. So I know what he must be doing with the people that are still out there, with the millions that are still out there. And so when I come into the house, I can talk about how tired I am, or I can say, Lord, can I be of some service to you? 
Is there something that I can do to help you? Is there a song that I can sing that will bring joy to your heart? Is there a song? Sometimes it's just a matter of just humming a song. Sometimes you're going to be on the stage and you're going to be singing. And sometimes you're just going to be walking through the halls and humming a song. I guarantee you, God is as blessed either way. God is no more blessed when I stand at the pulpit and preach and this, that, and the other than when I'm walking down the way humming a song of praise to him. A song that just just goes up from my heart. But for us, the issue of priority is imperative. To recognize that our first concern is to do everything that we can to serve the Lord. And then to realize that there is no necessity for remuneration. I don't have to feel as though that's what the word unprofitable means. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have any value. That's why I call it the worth of an unworthy worshiper. An unprofitable or an unworthy worshiper basically says, I'm not expecting anything in return, at least not, 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 not something from me. When I worship God, this is, this is just my personal opinion. I believe that when I worship God, and I, and I see myself as a worshiper, you know what I'm saying? I don't see myself simply as a preacher. I see myself as a worshiper. I'll give you, I'll give you a reason why, and then I'll, I'll explain to you the other thing that I'm mentioning. I look at it like this. If I'm worshiping God, especially from the pulpit, if I'm preaching and I'm worshiping God, a person can come into the church on a day that I happen to be preaching, and they could be at a place where they don't speak a single word of English. And yet, there is something that's going to happen. You see what I'm saying? You know how it is sometimes when you go into a place and they're singing songs and you might not speak the language that they're singing, but somehow you can feel the presence and you understand the mood and, and your heart begins to rejoice and your hands begin to be lifted. And you don't even understand the lyrics, but you understand the spirit. So likewise, I think preachers should be that way. If I'm simply lecturing and it's a dead you know, message, and the only people that can understand it are people that speak the language, and nobody else who doesn't speak it or nobody else who doesn't, when I say speak the language, I'm not just talking about the language in the sense of you know, the, the nationality or the culture, but I'm talking about people who might not speak Christianese, right? People who might not, you know what I'm saying? If they can't sense the presence, if they can't sense the praise, if they can't sense the worship, then I'm doing something wrong. You see what I'm saying? So I see myself for, first and foremost as a worshiper. Now, when I see myself as a worshiper, I also see myself as what you might call an unprofitable or unworthy worshiper in the sense that I'm not expecting remuneration. I don't expect that if I do this, then somehow I'm going to get something in return. And I'm saying that for the same reason that I just mentioned. Because my thought is, if I bless the Lord according to the Holy Scriptures... Other people will benefit from what I do. If we worship God, God will bless entire communities because of the fact that we're worshiping. God will give a society another opportunity to make up their minds for him, for his glory, for his praise, just because we've chosen to Stand in the gap. Remember the Bible talks about the Lord looking for someone to stand in the gap. And we sometimes think that that means that somebody to stand between the world and the attack of the enemy or between the world and this. What it basically means, what it basically says in the context is God 
was looking for someone to stand between a wayward society and the wrath of God. Someone who would bring a smile to his face in the midst of a world that is provoking his anger. So when I come to preach or I come to pray or I come to sing or I come to worship in any way, the only remuneration I'm looking for, the only benefit that I'm looking for is that somehow it benefits other people, including people who might not have any idea of what I'm doing. People who might be walking by our church with absolutely no concern for it. There is still something in me that says, but if I worship the Lord and if I bring a smile to his face, that person out there might get one more chance to turn. One more day. Because God could at any given time stretch forth his hands against this society and he would be absolutely justified. So I say, Lord, if I can bring a smile to your face, if I can placate your anger, if I can pacify your wrath by singing a song that blesses your heart, then that means my brother out there or my sister out there my aunt, my uncle, my grandmother, my grand, my, you know what I'm saying? They're given one more chance to turn. One more day to turn. And then I do it again and again and again. One more day, one more day, one more day. Now, if I'm looking for personal remuneration when I'm worshiping, when I'm praising, when I'm preaching and things of that nature, then all of a sudden I'm not ministering to God and I'm not ministering to anybody else. I'm only ministering to me. Right, And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking to garner people's favor and looking to garner people's applaud and looking to garner people's accolade and looking to garner people's respect and looking to garner people's response. And all of a sudden, I'm not ministering to them. I'm asking them to minister to me. They might as well just be one big mirror. And I'm primping and preening in front of them. You see what I'm saying? To see how I look. That's not ministry. My goodness, you don't need, to, you don't need a congregation to do that. You just need a mirror. You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> right? That's not the nature of ministry. It, it's a, there's a danger when you see yourself as a worthy worshiper. The danger is you feel like somehow people owe you something or God owes you something. And you, and you feel like the whole nature of ministry is a sort of give and take thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of working back and forth with the congregation. I love the idea of knowing that I'm getting through to a congregation. I love the idea of there being a mutual worship and a mutual response. But when I am ministering so that people can make me feel good about myself, that's different. Mutual worship is one thing. But asking people to give me a sense of personal security is another. Asking people to validate me is another. I want people to worship God, and I want to worship God with people. Otherwise, I wouldn't come to church, right? I just sit at home, you know what I'm saying, and worship God all by myself, as though that was something that anybody would want to do. No, we come to worship together. But as, as a minister, as, as a preacher in my particular case, if all I'm trying to do is get people to applaud me and make me feel like my life matters and so on and so forth, there's a problem. Or if I feel like, you know, I'm doing people a favor by showing up, that's a problem. You see what I'm saying? I'm not doing anybody any favors. I can say along with Paul, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I don't have a choice in the matter. I'm going to preach. I don't care if I'm preaching here or preaching on the street corner. I got to preach. I got to. 
You know, I hear some preachers say, you know what, I could hang this up anytime. I can't. I can't. I got to do this. As long as God has his hand on me to do it, I have to do this. Paul was told it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You can't not do this if God has called you. You can either do it well or you can do it badly, but you're going to do it. (laughs) So my goal is to do it and to do it right. You know what I mean? Do it and to do it with the right motives. Do it and to do it for the right cause. Do it with a sense that I have absolutely nothing at stake in this except for the fact that God has called me to it. My sense of security is not at stake in this. My sense of security has already been dealt with by the fact that the God of heaven and earth chose to die for me. That God so loved me that he sent his only begotten son for me. I don't need any more validation than that. How much more validation can you get? So for now, my responsibility is to give of all that I've been given. And first and foremost... I am thinking whenever I'm worshiping, I'm thinking of blessing the Lord. My job is to rehearse back into his ears what he's deposited into my heart. And to say, yes, Lord, you are this and you are that and you've been this to me and you've been that to me. And the more I do it, the more there is a sort of a supernatural synergy that's going on. And God is in the heavens saying, amen, amen, amen. That's true. And as he does that, man, then I get more into this thing that I do. Because God has invested this in me. God has invested this in you. This is who you are. All you're doing is saying what God has already said. There is this reverberation. There is this echo. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So that everybody around you eventually begins to get caught up in it. Nobody can ignore a true worshiper. Nobody. They might not like you. (laughs) They might not agree with you. But they got to deal with you. They got to acknowledge that something has happened in this house today. When people come to our church, thank God for every church that's in this vicinity, but specifically speaking about our church right now, because this is the one that I know. When people come into this church, they have to reckon with what's going on. They can't simply say, oh, that was nice, you know, fanning themselves, you know what I mean, and heading to Kentucky Fried. They got to say something. happened today they might not like it they might not agree with it they might have to shake it and shake it and shake it but there was something there something that they acknowledge something it is the true spirit of worship where there is this reverberation between heaven and earth and God is bearing witness to the fact that these are his people true worshipers of God People who are bearing witness to what God has already said. And then let all the heavenly angels take notice. And let all the fallen angels beware. When God's people get to worshiping. And when they're not concerned about remuneration, they're not concerned about reciprocation, they're not concerned about accolade, they're not Concerned about claps on the back. Then things happen in the heavenlies. Things change in the heavenlies. 
And the kinds of changes that we make are eternal changes. The kinds of changes that we make impact people forever. When we come into the house of the Lord then, we come in saying, I am an unprofitable servant and I'm simply doing my duty. Now that's an awesome consideration because it suggests assurance of one's call. I'm, I'm called to be here and I don't need anybody to tell me that. I'm called to be here. I don't need somebody clapping me on my back saying good morning pastor in order for me to know that I'm supposed to be here. I love when folks, you know, shake my hand and say, God bless you, Pastor. And I say, God bless you. back. That feeds me. That helps me. That strengthens me. But it doesn't cause me to say, oh, that must mean I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I, I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm called to this. There's no question in my mind about it. And, and, and when you and I know that we're called to do this, then we can forego any sense of entitlement. That says people ought to recognize what I do here. You, you understand what I'm saying? Whatever you do here, even if you are on that side of the curtain and people see your face more often, whatever you do here should always, the, I'm talking about the, the part that people see, should always be the tip of the iceberg. For every minute a, a preacher prays, a preacher preaches, there should be an hour of prayer. That's my opinion. That's why I don't preach very long. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm not going to talk for much longer for that. Week, but I, if I'm not with the Lord for hours and hours and hours before I stand at this pulpit, there's something wrong. I have to feel in my heart that this is my responsibility. This is my calling. I'm not looking to be seen. I'm looking that, that, that he should be seen. That, that his name should be lifted up. That his name should be glorified. If, if you and I come with that approach, and I say this in close, we're going to be useful in God's hands to save many, many people. People that we know, people that we don't know. People that we see, people that we don't see. As you sing your songs today, as you go to your classes today, as you consider what the Lord is doing today, as you pray together, as you learn together, as you fellowship together, think about the person who's walking by this building who has no idea that you're here. I'm telling you that as long as God's church is here, and as long as true worshipers are here, the people out there who don't know that you even exist and couldn't care less about God's house and so on and so forth, they still have a chance. They still have a hope. As long as you choose to worship God, as long as you choose to come into a church like this on a Sunday morning after God has had to endure everything that he had to endure on a Saturday night in Times Square, as long as you put a smile on his face, put a song in his heart, it's wonderful. I say this, this is so funny. You, you know when you have children, they learn a new song and they think that you never heard it before? You know what I mean? <laughs> right? And they come to you and say, hey, let me teach you this song. You know what I mean? And you, you've known the song for like 30, 40 years, right? You know what I'm saying? 
But you listen to them. And it brings a smile to your face. And I think it's sometimes like that. We go to the Lord and say, God, let me teach you this song. Have you heard this song before? You know how when you write a song, you know what I'm saying? And you're basically saying, God, let me share this new song with you. And so God never heard it before, right? And so he's not the one that deposited it into your heart. You know, right? You know what I mean? Right? But it, but it blesses him. Because he knows that it's your joy to put a smile on his face. It's your joy to make him happy. It's your joy to serve him. It's your joy to bless him. So next time you come to worship, you come to worship tomorrow morning or whatever the case might be, talk to God. Say, God, did you hear this song? Or have you heard this in a while? I know it's probably been a while since you've heard this. Or, God, I know everything that you heard last night. Can I, can I bring this to you? Can I sing this to you? I know the, the, the people mocking and the cursing and then this and that. Can I sing this song to you? And when you do that, you minister outward. You touch other people's lives. You minister inward. You grow in the knowledge of who you are. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift that you have. A wonderful responsibility. I want to pray with you and just ask the Lord to bless the rest of this day. It's going to be a wonderful time. I thank God for you. Thank God for Greg and everything that he's done and everything that he's meant to this community. And Lord, thank you so much for every person in this room, every person that's helped to make this happen, people who, um, who've come to help and come to learn and come to grow and come to develop. God, in Jesus' name, we know we can't do anything in our strength. We know we don't have anything, but we're here because you called us. We're going to grow together. We're going to worship together. We're going to learn together. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to strengthen one another. Lord, I pray your hand upon each one. Lord, there has to be a supernatural touch. It's not easy to do the thing that you've called us to do. Everything that you call us to do is too hard for us. And that's why we ask you to be who you are in us and through us. We can't do this. We can't do anything. Everything that you ask is too hard for us to do in our own strength. So we simply ask you to be who you are. Spirit of Jesus, I come against every lie of the devil. I would try to cause anyone in this room to feel like they're unworthy in the other sense of the word. That is to say that your life and your blood is not covering them. No, we're unworthy in the sense that we don't expect any entitlements. We do what we do as a labor of love. We don't feel entitled. We don't feel like we are somehow um, the cure. We come as people who present you as the cure. You as the hope, you as the help, you as a savior. But I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray you lay your hand upon each one, O oh Jesus. God, in Jesus' name, bring a peace that passes understanding. A peace that comes from God. That allows us to sing a song from the depths of our soul. Bring a smile to your face and blessing to those around us. We thank you that you are our song. We love you, Lord Jesus. 
and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Pastor William Carroll at the TSC Music Ministries Music Workshop. We pray and trust that you have been blessed by this challenging and thought-provoking word from Pastor Carroll. We look forward to your comments and your questions. Uh, We'd like to present some of them to Pastor Carroll. Perhaps he will be able to respond to them if you've got any questions or thoughts. Also, we look forward to sharing with you again on next week with another presentation from the TSC Music's workshop uh, on next week. So make sure you tune in. And again, we want to remind you that if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. Take joy, my King, in what you hear and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet for live tweets during every podcast interview. You can even tweet your questions for our podcast guests by using the hashtag MWMPodcast. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, we have Sam Centron, the arts steer the culture. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music with a mission.